0: Hello and welcome to Episode 2 of The Network Effect, Season 2, hosted by Access Fintech. Today's episode, we are discussing loans and we are proud to collaborate with the LMA. I'm joined by Nigel Hornton who is Managing Director at the Loans Market Association, along with Corey Olson, who is Head of Loans Products here at Access Fintech. On this episode, we talk about the difference between the American and European markets, fintechs within the industry, and what impact COVID had. But Nigel and Corey start off the discussion with the technological advancements of the loans market. I
1: might say, first of all, you can talk forever about all the problems in the loan market, but it all stems from the fact that everything's very manual, um, documentation driven. There are, it's it's hard for shortcuts. Um, Technology isn't always available. I think that's definitely changing right now. Um, The... Settlement process is unique. The way that uh, information is communicated is different, it's manual, like you said, over fax, email. There's no Bloomberg to look up your latest position and all of the attributes of the particular uh, uh, asset.
2: I mean, um, it's all of the above. Um, it's also, uh, yeah, to, a, to a large extent, this is what we hear from our working groups, Certainly over the course of the last few years anyway, it's become a resourcing issue. Now, resourcing doesn't necessarily mean buns on seats. It can also mean the use of technology, um, you know, technological resource, if you like. Um, I mean, we can go into this. Uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of if you like legacy issues um that uh, that are kind of keeping the market back if you like from um from being as efficient from that point of view as as it certainly could be at this juncture that's not to say that there's not a, a lot of improvements that could be made within the fintech um, space um, as well um, in order to sort of you know grease the wheels further but you know to corey's point there's there are various pain points. We, you know, we see resourcing as being a problem. We also see um, general behavioural patterns being an issue um, uh, as well. Um, we can, uh, again, we can go into those. It isn't just a matter of the, uh, you know, the European market being, if, if you like, more disparate and and more structured and. Uh, you know, multi-jurisdictional—it's—it's it's everything mixed together, which you know, which is why we're seeing sort of settlement times, certainly in secondary, but also in primary, extend the way they are.
1: It's funny, just to add, we, uh, I hosted a broker-dealer working group. It was global, um, U.S. and Europe, obviously. So they—we've listed all the major problems, which you know, what we all we probably just covered in the last couple of minutes. But I basically asked the group, where do we start? And they're like, yeah, we have no idea. (laughs) So it's not even just that there's problems. It's no one knows the way to attack that. Um, There's so many different ways you can approach something. And with people working in all different ways, it's not always easy to to solve the problems. Yeah, I
2: mean, I think, you know, in fairness, there have been fantastic improvements made in some areas. Um, you know if I look back as as I mentioned i didn't put sort of timelines on that because I didn't want you know, my, my career that that is because I didn't want you to guess my age but you know i I hail back to a time when we would when you talk about faxes I'm really talking about faxes so the stuff that actually curls up and disappears after time you know the stuff in the firm the uh, the, the film yeah well you know that was my life at one stage. Um, and, you know, you filed that sort of stuff. And if you hadn't photocopied it, you just put it into a file. But yeah, it's gone in a, in a year or so. You can't read anything. Um, but we have moved on. We have improved. There have been vast improvements from what we were. Um, but nevertheless, there's a long way to go.
0: You mentioned the word behavior there. And how long do you think it will take to change behavior in the loans market?
2: Well, I mean, it's almost generational. Okay. So you've got a whole bunch of people, I guess, I don't know, a little bit like me
0: who What do you been... mean? Thirty?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. Um just as well there's no cameras here. Uh no, I mean you've got a whole bunch of people who've grown up with you know, working with loans on more or less on a paper basis. So, you know, you you, you build up your book via an Excel spreadsheet. You know, almost your agency, as we did fledgling agency at, at Commerce Bank, and it was via Excel spreadsheets. Um, and, you know, I had a conversation with a very large um, lender down in Tel Aviv only a few years back, and they had a very, very large book, and they were still doing stuff on Excel spreadsheets. It's kind of what you're used to. And again, as I say, it's kind of generational, so to get over that, you're going to need you know, almost kind of new blood, if you like, in a way. But I don't mean that in in the sense that you need to replace everybody that's there at the moment. No, you just need new blood in a kind of a new blood flowing. So have these guys get a get a transfusion, if you like, of fresh, you know, fintech blood um and and then 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 maybe it'll work but no there is that you've got legacy technology which is one thing and believe me that's difficult in in and of itself but you add into the mix then that sort of you know legacy mentality then it makes it all the more difficult to push forward
1: i was just going to say i think that some people are just so used to doing things the way they've always done them and they're so busy like the capacity issue is just growing. And no one has time to stop what they're doing to learn something else. It's kind of like when you hire someone new, you want to do all the things yourself because it's so much faster. But if you actually invest the time to train somebody, you will have more capacity later. It's just like that give and take. So that's what we see a lot. Also, people are, it's like, they want to go from zero to 100. Like if you, if the, whatever you're suggesting in terms of technology or process improvement, isn't like the blue sky right away, they're like, well, no, that's that's not. That's not it. it. it's baby steps. It takes it takes time to make change, and it takes dedication, and it takes being open minded. Um, yeah. So.
2: You know, I was reading through a presentation before this, just literally yesterday, that um, was given during a fintech conference that we had back in two thousand and nineteen. Um, in London. Uh, We haven't been able to repeat that for obvious reasons um, recently, but um, we're looking at the possibility of doing another FinTech event next year, not this year because we don't have time. But I was reading over it and just talking about sort of mentality and and, and change. There there was a great quote that was used by one of our speakers, John Olesky, who you know very well. um, And it was um, basically, I'm going to paraphrase Darwin here, it's not the strongest nor the most intelligent that survives but the one most adaptable to change. And over the course of the last couple of years maybe two or three years I've seen one institution in particular kind of adopt that kind of mentality and you know they're gaining market share. They were already pretty much up there to begin with but they're gaining market share in terms of uh, trading. Um, I can see that because we collate um, we collate settlement data so I can see on a per ticket basis, who's doing what, who's more active, and so on. And, and gradually over the course, of the, uh, uh, I guess, over the last couple of years, they've gained and gained market share. So their investment in tech in the background is paying dividends because they're going to be making more money out of, you know, out of, presumably, out of, um, of that trading book. So, uh, you know, it's refreshing to see, you know, how long does it take? Well, it doesn't take a generation. It's only taken a few years for this institution to look at their own metrics, bring them down... Change internally. Change the way. Change the thought process. Also change the tech. Yes, but change the thought process that works the tech, or ha- works alongside the tech, and it's working. um Yeah, not everybody's in that sort of in that position uh, necessarily to you know to to invest and yeah, don't have necessarily the you know the critical mass, but. It is a very good example of how it could work, and it doesn't necessarily need that kind of generational change. It can happen over the course of just a few years.
1: Yes, I'm actually seeing a lot of banks currently going through that assessment, which I think is good. I think the industry is finally realizing it's time to change, but I'm definitely, we're talking to a few banks that are going through that whole assessment, and hopefully they're on that same path as this one institution you mentioned. So it's time.
2: Uh well you know, um we've been saying it's time I can't remember what the strap line was, but maybe the the time is now. But that was two thousand and nineteen. <laughs> so yeah, it's time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> COVID COVID made us take a break. Now we're back to it's now. <laughs> yeah, but you see
2: but you see, I, I'm not sure whether COVID actually did make us take a break because I think it actually it actually underscored what it is that institutions really need to do. Yeah. If, if 2019 had just like rolled into 2020 and 2021 without COVID happening, then we wouldn't have had all of this, you've got to do everything that you do, but you've got to do it remotely thing. Um And that kind of, I think that made people sort of sit up and and listen, yeah, we've actually got to start thinking about investing in this because business continuity is out of the window if you can't actually access your other office. Uh, And you've got to be able to trade, you've got to be able to settle, you've got to be able to book run, you've got to be able to do everything.
1: Sign. Signing those assignment agreements without a wet signature was like groundbreaking. Exactly. You've You've got to be able to
2: do agency, you've got to be able to do all of the above, which relates to the loan product as well as everything else, obviously. But you've got to be able to do it flexibly, more flexibly than, you know, anybody really thought would ever be necessary prior to the lockdowns of March 2020.
0: So do you think that fintechs have been hard pressed from COVID in the loans market?
2: Well, I can't think of any other sort of reason why. I mean it may just be purely coincidental, but I've had so much more inquiry from, you know, very relevant fintech, not necessarily startups, but some of them are small. Um you know, very much more relevant inquiry than I had, frankly, prior to 2019. Um, with specific um, targets in mind, whereas prior to two thousand and nineteen it was all oh yeah blockchain's going to solve everything ai and and by the way we 're going to do the whole sort of like origination to secondary trading in in one go and it 's going to be a great product we 'll we'll solve it within a couple of years well that was never going to happen was it um, and 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 now we've got we've got we 've got firms kind of looking at one particular part, each taking one particular part of the of the uh, of the puzzle, if you like, and it's making an awful lot more sense. And I can't help thinking this is born out of um, you know willingness for banks to entertain uh, these guys coming in and presenting, because otherwise, you know, what's the point? What's the point in trying to produce a product if no one's going to you know want to buy it? Um, but I'm, I'm I'm kind of thinking people are you know certainly from a bank's perspective, from their strategy areas, whatever it may be. They are more receptive to the idea of listening uh, to to tech firms and and seeing where tech firms um, can take them. Generally speaking, off the off the shelf doesn't work in the loans market. It kind of does for you know a commoditized space like bonds, equities, whatever. The loans are not really commoditized. They are more commoditized in the US, and we can talk about the differences uh, between the US market and the EMIA market a bit later. But Generally speaking, off the shelf doesn't work. To a certain extent, yes, you've got to listen to what your client needs. Um, there will be certain core things that the client needs, which replicate what client B needs and client C, and so on and so forth. But each, you know, each uh, as a whole, each individual um, require, each individual set of requirements, if you like, will probably be different. However, I think what What is different now in terms of what people are trying to do is that people are trying to come up with not just what the client needs, but what what the client doesn't even know it needs. And then, you know, and then, you know, some way down the line, they realize it's not just they didn't know it, but they can't actually operate without it. Um, And if you can do that, that's a completely different completely different um ROI proposition I
1: think it's it's funny because even when I train some of our clients at first they're like oh no we always do it this way so we'll do it like that in the UI and I was like actually you could do it like this because of all of the technology you now have you can do it differently and it like blows their mind (laughs) how different it could be
2: well, we, we are literally, as the LMA, we are going through exactly that process now internally. It's not necessarily, you know, that relevant for this conversation, but we're looking at new technology internally. We've just hired an IT person, um, and the tech that we're going to be using is going to be, uh, will allow us to do things, you know, completely differently. You know, we, we, we've been introduced to ideas that we didn't really think about before, which is what effectively I've just said. Only that's from the banking side, the you know the finance side. From from us, it's just purely sort of organisational. So it does work, believe me. You know, we we, we sit there sceptically. You know, we're, we're from a certain generation, as I mentioned, the the, 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 you know, the senior team. Um, but we sit there and we think, yeah, you know what, that's a good idea. Um, so I think part of the selling process is to do that—not just what the client wants, but what the client doesn't know it
0: wants. And Corey, that's what you're trying to do at the moment, right?
1: Yeah, well, and that's also that goes in hand in hand with um, letting the clients operate the way they want, but then doing all of that standardization for them, like for years, people have tried to get the industry to adopt a standard, and I just don't think that's ever going to happen. So having technology that lets every bank or uh, buy side operate the way they want to um, in the, the way they want to see their information or use it, but then it also can at the same time be standardized by, you know, by a central um, like essential uh, tech.
0: So what is the difference in the similarities between the EMEA and U.S. markets in the loan space?
2: You know, we are talking about, you know, single currency uh, from the U.S. perspective, single currency, single overarching jurisdiction. I know there are some certain subtle differences between nothing states. nothing like Europe. <laughs> but absolutely nothing <laughs> like um, Europe. Yeah, I mean, okay, we've got... The UK is sort of a separate entity, or has been a separate entity, frankly, and the EU. But within the EU, you've got so many different jurisdictional issues to consider. Um, so, like lending into Germany is not like lending into Italy or Spain, for example. I mean, it's beyond the scope of this particular discussion to, to tell you what those jurisdictional differences are. But you know, um, it, it suffices to say to, at, at the end of the day that there are a huge many. The, Deals tend to be less commoditized. They tend to be very much more bespoke, um, uh, you know, for the actual transaction um, in question. They tend to be they tend to be a lot kind of clunkier in that sense as well, with regard to the so the documentation journey. Um, and one, one of the really big differences, certainly from where I sit, from a secondary and from an operational perspective, is the difference in, in sort of attitude towards transferability and the difference between sort of U.S. sort of bog-standard boilerplate transferability language and the very much more convoluted and complex transferability story that we have in uh, in Europe. Um, there was just scratching the surface in terms of some structural differences. You know, you've only got about half a dozen agents really operative in, in the U.S. as well, whereas we've got something to the order of 30-plus in leveraged uh, in the leveraged finance space and about 70-odd um, overall. So, yeah, that agency picture is completely different. Agency by that, I mean op- op- operational agency. Okay.
1: Um, for those who are not familiar the, the legal has to be involved with all of these transactions as well and have to know their jurisdictions and the ways you need to settle and you know what you can do and can't do and that was something I had to become familiar with at my one of my previous shops but you don't really need that in the us you just unless it's something a little bit different everything is pretty similar but in in EMEA you can need a layer to uh, facilitate the settlement. It's
2: one of the reasons why you know uh, and, and uh, Ted Buster does a great job uh, at the LSTA of putting together, you know, information packs in, in terms of the, the traded market. One of the reasons why the traded market is so much, uh, you know, more liquid, uh, much deeper. Uh, so obviously, the primary market is deep as well, but the traded market is so much deeper, deeper than than, than our market. For You know, some of those reasons, you know, obviously there are more players, but, and more, more paper to be traded, but also it's more commoditized. It's a lot easier to trade that paper. There are fewer transfer restrictions. You know, it's single currency, as mentioned, that generally speaking, you don't have tranche B, B, C, one, you know, (laughs) as opposed to tranche, you know, B, C, two or whatever. It's term loan B. Um, It's pretty, pretty straightforward stuff. Lead its, leads itself to a degree of uh, standardization which we you know could only dream of over here
1: yeah and that's probably why the volumes are so much uh, and hard, also yeah. you
2: use identifiers yeah you know, we've been banging the drum on using loan identifiers uh, over here for well I've been with the LMA for for, for 10 years um, and we were banging the drum then and we're still banging the drum now are we using identifiers no.
1: But to be fair the private credit market isn't necessarily using them either and that's definitely you know they just keep keeps rising the private credit market is just growing and growing but I do I do did talk to a third party agent this week who was uh, insisting on getting identifiers for each one of the uh names but yeah it's a it's not very common I'm even seeing because we're receiving data from multiple institutions from different uh roles and everyone uses a different identifier <laughs> so
0: where is the market heading and what are the main hurdles that the industry has to get over
2: i mean so look you know from a standing start if you like we've managed over the course of the, a few a, a few examples here from a standing start we've we have changed things yeah so just a few examples uh, trade documentation is digitised. Electronic signatures, to your point, Corey, are being used widely. Agent notices and uh, details forms—they're all digitised. Um, we've got, uh, you know, deal rooms. Um, we've got deal sites um, to deal with data distribution. Um, on a sort of a non-manual basis, if you like. We've got trade booking and docs, which are automated. We've got interest fee calculations. that They're, they're automated. We've got LMA Automate, um, which I had to plug at some <laughs> stage during the course of this uh, discussion, which is basically an, a, a way of automatically uh, generating a facility uh, a, agreement and negotiate a facility agreement online on an automated platform, um, which you know is something that others had not been looking at necessarily you know when I talked about those kind of pockets of of interest, those kind of silos, if you like, this stands at the very very start, okay it's not the mandate itself. I'm not sure you can automate getting a mandate from your from your borrower to uh, to lead a facility maybe you can not sure, but it the documentation piece um, yeah, that's new. we've got to make sure that you know in the future it can interoperate with maybe the next tech down so feed through into agency systems potentially then that feeding through into into secondary systems what i'm seeing right now if you you can't really talk about where we're going without talking about potentially where you know what needs to be addressed in terms of shortfalls i think what we've got is a shortfall you know not just behaviorally from the you know from the client perspective, potentially with that legacy mentality, uh, and not just with technology with legacy um, technology, but we've also got a shortfall in interoperability, so you know scalable use of technology which interoperates you know seamlessly from the likes of if there is any mandate automation uh, uh, sort of fintech fantastic seamlessly from there through to potentially LMA.automate through to, I don't know, agency systems, whatever you, whatever your choice of, of, of that is. If there needs to be something in the middle, fine, but that has to then seamlessly interoperate with everything else down the line. There's a lot of hype out there at the moment. Yeah, we, we speak and you know we've got an open API and all that sort of jazz. It's not really working though. There's a lot of work still to be done um, in that space. Um, solve for that, and I think you can, you know, you can bring forward that timeline. I have to say, however, from experience, we know that onboarding um, and getting, and ticking that ROI box for institutions is not easy. Um, you know, we've got we're still onboarding with with one firm, you know, two years down the line, so that is obviously always going to be a sticking point so i'm talking about you know client client a client onboarding new technology it's not always easy and sometimes the bigger the firm the slower it is um, in terms of process um so that could be something which which holds it back but you know i think what what folk what the focus really needs to be is yeah focus on what the client needs and maybe what the client doesn't know it needs but also focus on being able to communicate with your peers with your peer technology, such that the client sees that that's scalable and it and it will work, and they can see sort of if you like the light at the end of the
0: end of the tunnel. And Corey, how has joining the LMA helped?
1: So LMA has an amazing um, network. So lots of amazing events with great people, um, wealth of knowledge. Every session I've been to has been really helpful. So I attended the workshop on the settlement process and I knew it from the, the i had like my background, but not so much. And it was a really great session all day. I got into all the details with nice uh, visuals to help you keep paying attention. Um, great networking. Yeah. There's just a lot of information available.
2: I mean, one thing I, one thing that, you know, I, I would like to point out and we're always apt to point out is, you know, just taking, taking a step back and, uh, you know we've been looking at Fintech, we've been looking at sort of the LMA, we've been looking at sort of the structure of the market, etc. but let's just you know uh, take a step back and, and look how resilient the loan market um, has been over the course of the last few years and has proven to been also you know through the course of the last you know, quarter of this year. Certainly last year was difficult, the first quarter of this year, particularly March. Uh, was um, difficult as well, but you know certainly from uh, from a core relationship banking, from a short shine perspective, uh, and to a lesser extent leverage finance. The, the leverage has been a little stickier in the EMEA so far this year, but it's functional and it's resilient. That's one thing you can always say about the loan market, and uh, you know, and and anything which can bring greater efficiency greater liquidity and transparency which is what the lma is all about and if fintech can help that story then you know let's go for it
0: thank you so much to nigel and Corey for their time such an interesting conversation between the both of them more episodes on the network effect season two are coming over the next few months with investors partners and clients so please stay tuned thank you for listening to the network effect catch you
1: next time